This is Coach Aaron Saft and the Running is Life podcast. My guest today is Meredith Terranova. Um, Meredith is a wonderful nutritionist um, who uh, is helping me guide my path back to where I want to be. <laughs> um, you know, we kind of talk about my faults and get into some goof ups that I did in the race. Um, we may have to have a part two because. Um, we didn't get into much into my daily habits. We we did a bit, but then we got into a lot of what I was doing mistakenly during racing. So, um, oh, you know, we have a we have a really good conversation, and I think you can take a lot away from this, and hopefully, not make some of the same mistakes that I was making. So, um, I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Meredith Terranova. Um, Meredith's contact information will be in the show notes, and I will catch up with you after our conversation. I have with me. Um, a longtime acquaintance uh, in Meredith Terranova. Um, Meredith is is a wonderful person, uh, nutritionist, <laughs> uh, runner herself. So um, you know, I I can't thank you enough for coming on today, Meredith. Um, but that said, um, I, I like to let everybody introduce themselves. I don't feel I do them enough justice. So please, you know, fill us in, fill in the gaps, and give us a little bit more detail. <laughs> yeah, I'm Meredith Terranova. Um, I have a degree in nutrition and a master's in advanced nutrition. And, um, I got that actually during COVID. Um, now it's a requirement to not just have your degree and your internship in nutrition. You actually need a master's, um, which I was grandfathered not to have one, but I was like, why not? Um, I always like to learn more and, uh, not that I'm trying to compete with the people who are 20 years old, but it's like, <laughs> if there's, if I want to, if I want to be up with everybody else, like, let's be there. Um, yeah. and then it just so happened, everything shut down with COVID and there were no races. I was like, well, let's just get this degree <laughs> finished. Um, so that was recent. Um, I've been working in the field of nutrition since 2004. I had graduated in 1998. Um, and worked in the field of chemistry for a number of years after college first, because I was a double major nutrition and chemistry. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, it's easy. Nutrition is a, is a science-based, uh, degree. So there was a lot of overlap. So it works out actually, it actually works out very well. Um, and yeah, and I work with a huge range of, of people in the wellness department. Um, I work with athletes for about, let's say 50, 60% of my client base. And then the other ranges from people who are just looking for long-term health nutrition. And then I work with the morbidly obese, um, client base that really need to make drastic lifestyle changes to lose anywhere from 100 to 200 pounds. And, um, you know, we get to get to change their lives, um, forever. (laughs) So it, while it's not even close to the athlete base, it's actually a very similar psychology to, you know, setting a goal and learning just how to make a life change. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this too. Um, so when you do your schooling and did you know you wanted to go the like sports nutrition side of it as well? No, I was, um, I was not an athlete actually. Um, I, I kind of was looking, I, my grandmother was a pastry chef. I was looking for, um, something to like really bring into cooking into my life. Um, and again, chemistry was actually my first and, I was like, what else? And there was a very small nutrition department at the University of Houston at the time. And I joined that. And then I could take the cooking, all the cooking classes, um, some through the nutrition department and some through the hotel restaurant school, which was really fun. Um, And so (laughs) I got everything I wanted out of it. And honestly, dietitians out of college in the late 90s were making probably less than teachers at the time. And so it was just like, that did not sound appealing to me, mm-hmm. but going and working in the field of chemistry, I lived in Houston, Texas. And so the oil and gas, there was great opportunity. And I, I really enjoyed 
kind of being in that world um, for a number of years. Um, But I did not want to go get an advanced degree in chemistry. And I did not want to go get my MBA and work on the marketing side of oil and gas. And so then I was like, what's next? And so (laughs) at the time I I had become a runner and I noticed a huge gap in the nutrition for athletes as I became a runner. Um, and I started a graduate program at university of Texas in Austin, Paul and I had moved and we had just gotten married and there was like zero help for athletes in the running community. And I was just like, wow, I can kind of fill this void. I mean, it was just, it was like horrible. You know, we barely in the early two thousands people, you know, would like I I was doing my first ultra runs and literally we would just like a friend of ours gave us a cup of salt before my 50 miler. And she said, you need to salt your food the night before and you need to <laughs> take salt throughout. And like, that was the salt pill. Like right. we hadn't really, you know, revolutionized what we did. And it was like power bar gels and it just <laughs> it, right. Like the availability was terrible. And so <laughs> we have come a long way and access to, you know, I'm, I'm glad I was at the front end of all of that because I don't think I can keep up with like all the social media and all of that stuff. So I'm kind of glad I've already established and I have all, all my clients. Um, yeah. And so I've been doing it now for almost 20 years. That's fantastic. And and we'd be remiss not to mention this Paul character. Who is this <laughs> This mysterious man that has stolen your heart. <laughs> um, yeah, and we've almost been married for 20 years. Um, my husband, Paul Terranova, was, um, we met in Houston after he had left the Army. He was a ranger in the Army. Um, he got his orders to leave September 11th, 2001 from wow. the Army. He was holding his papers to leave the Army that morning. Um And so he had his first civilian job, which was in Houston, Texas. That's where we met. And (laughs) at the time I was the ultra runner and he started dabbling. He was, he was a rower and then became a marathon runner and then became a triathlete, um, a quite successful triathlete. And I was doing these crazy long runs that he couldn't (laughs) believe, like who does that? (laughs) Who bothers? Um, And then he watched me um, really kind of set my sights on Western states. Um, I had two failed attempts and I had a successful run in 2010 and went 2356. Yep. Got that silver buckle Um, and never felt a need to go back because like the buckle was going to look the same (laughs) any any return trip and maybe it wouldn't. And I loved every step I took out there. Um, and so at that point he became interested in, um, ultra marathons and he was a singular lottery ticket winner, um, (laughs) for his first go at Western States. Um, and so he decided that why, you know, why go small? So he did the grand slam, his first, um, to combine in his first hundred, which was Western (laughs) States was his first hundred. Um, and then he had also qualified for the Kona Ironman that year. So he did 400 (laughs) milers and the Kona Ironman and has continued on the progression of nothing small in the sport of ultra. (laughs) Yes. Um, so I have moved on to ultra endurance triathlon and he has continued hundred mile plus adventure. Yes. Uh, Paul just finished the, um, Rocky mountain grand slam, uh, this year, um, which is incredible. Um, I have done an episode with Paul. (laughs) I'll put that in the show notes so everybody can learn a little, little bit more about Paul, but, um, yeah, just both of you, such an inspiration to me. So, so many, uh, you've, and you've had some great conversations. Um, Meredith has been on the Coopcast and talked with Jason Coop. Um, and, uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Cause that was a great episode. Uh, I often remit, uh, kind of tell my, um, uh, my clients, you know, go check out this episode. Cause there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of gems of wisdom. Um, <laughs> so I'm just putting the note here. Okay. Um, Fantastic. Um, well, thank you for the, the background there. Um, let me just give our guests a little bit of background as to why we're having this conversation. Um, so 
ever since COVID, I have I've kind of put on weight and kept it on. Um, my my primary care physician said, let's try low carb. Um, it got me down in weight, but I just couldn't stand the diet because I told Meredith, she asked me, she said, well, well, why didn't you like it? It wasn't, there was nothing. She didn't begrudge it. She didn't judge it. She just said, why didn't you like it? And that was a great question. It was because I felt like I was missing out on so much. Like I missed a lot of foods, you know, having to restrict your diet to non-carbohydrates was very difficult. You know, something that I've been used to having my entire life. But I also wanted to lose weight healthily. You know, I wanted to get back down to um, my comfort weight. Like I can, I can feel my belly jiggle right now if I run, <laughs> which I don't like at all. <laughs> so I want to make sure, you know, I, I do the what's best for me that I put myself in the best possible fitness to get back to to running like I'm used to. Um, so that's why I approached Meredith and said, "Hey." you know, whatever I've been doing doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> and she said, well, what have you been doing? <laughs> so that's where our conversation started. Um, once I told Meredith what I was doing, um, that's when, you know, she started to notice these little, um, you know, intricacies in my, my diet that had left some gaps and room for improvement. Um, first being with my, the timing of my meals, <laughs> Uh, so Meredith, why don't you start us off with the uh, the timing aspect of this whole thing that we we went into? Well, and I think this is across the board for anybody who's like, I'm super busy in the morning. I'm also getting a workout in in the morning. Inevitably, you can say I'm busy. I'm not hungry. Put whatever thing you want to put on it you will make up those calories later in the day. Um, mm -hmm. Hunger will drive decision. And then that will drive how much you're eating later in the day. So as you push off that first meal, and I'm not just saying that you have to have breakfast to check a box, but you can't just wait till lunch just because you're busy. Um, you know, and once you start waiting till lunch, then you spend the rest of the day chasing calories. Not because again, not because you're, you have no discipline, whatever's wrong. It's like your body is physiologically hungry. And so it is going to fill that void or you're going to start having a slump at 3 PM because you didn't eat enough early in the day. And so then you're going to chase with a bunch of sugar because you're like, what can make me feel better? And so then you're going to find that we just fill that hole. Um, so I'm not saying that like everybody needs to get up at five in the morning and have breakfast. But if you know that you're going to have a really busy hey. morning. Hello, Meredith. Sorry. Hey. Can you hear me? <laughs> it, yeah. It, um, it's, it froze. I'm sorry. It froze when you That's said okay. with a bunch of, so do you remember what you were saying? I'm sorry. Um, that's okay. No. Um, yeah, we end up just chasing with a bunch of sugar and filling the void and just making sure that, you know, if you're hungry or you feel tired, you're just going to eat. Um, and so, you know, I have found that you don't have to eat at five in the morning. You know, some people are like, you must start eating first thing in the morning. You don't have to eat at five in the morning. You know, some people who go for a run, honestly, at like, I have a client, he wakes up at four in the morning and he goes for a run at four 30 and he doesn't have time for the risk of a bathroom stop. Like his window is very tight. And mm -hmm. so then what he does after that run is very important to set his whole day up. So for you, you, you run after you get the family out the door. Right. And so eating a little something so that then by time you finish running, you're not like at mid-morning lunchtime-ish that you haven't eaten. It's like that timing becomes very important. And so, right. you know, first of all, just taking a look at your morning is like first and foremost, what does your morning look like? <laughs> what can I put in my morning to make sure that I'm successful then later in the day? That's kind of where our morning conversation started for you right. because you said, that later in the day you are hungry mm -hmm. and then, you know, dinner ends up being huge mm -hmm. because you're hungry. And that stems from what happens in the morning for you. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and for those people that are getting up early, um, what's, is there something they should do prior to that? Like you said, it's really hard when you're already running at four 30 to ingest anything. <laughs> um, it, do you suggest anything for those, those folks? I think it depends how long the run is and how hard it is. Mm -hmm. I also think that you should take a look, like, do you feel good? You know, at, during those runs, if you feel good, sometimes, you know, just adding something to your gut doesn't feel good. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of paying attention to the reality of that versus like the science is like, you must eat. Well, <laughs> sometimes every individual can override a little morsel of science. Um, if you feel the need to eat, I say eat something small. You know, again, don't ask a lot of your gut so early in the morning. Um, and it can be something like a spoonful of peanut butter or it could be half a bar. It could be if you just like if you're going to go do a speed workout, maybe you take a gel or you eat some chews on the ride over, you know, really not asking a lot of your gut at that hour. Sure. But if you're, you're like, you know, hey, I get the to the end of my workouts and I can definitely feel like my stomach's growling, I'm hungry. It's like, well, then you needed to eat and take care of that. Also, for all of us who, you know, have a finite amount of time to get workouts in, I don't care like what the science is, like find joy in your run. And so you want to have the best energy for your workout, for your run. And so you want to do the thing, which is typically food and hydration, that makes that workout the most successful and setting yourself up for the greatest success on that, you know, really isolated amount of time you have. Yeah. And when we, when we look at our, our long runs and forgive me, this is you know, a question I often get. Um, yep. and, and please charge me as you, as you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, like when I often get the question, okay, so I had a, let's just say I had a bagel with um, peanut butter. And before my run, and then, um, you know, you get into your run and we want to start the, you know, the, the, what we say con consumption process, right? Yep. Um, so do they, uh, if we're looking at calories for the run, do they count in that bagel with peanut butter or does it matter if they're counting that in their, you know, their run calories or should we keep that separate? How do, how do we look at that? And then from that consumption, are we still trying to start our consumption at that kind of, you know, typical kind of 30 to 45 minute range? Um, I say one, let fullness drive that. Like if you eat a bagel, which could be a lot for somebody, sure, you might need an hour to digest, you know, kind of process that through. That's all carb, you know, <laughs> depending on how much peanut butter you put on, we can look at that as like mostly carb. So it's like you have carbs to immediate carbs to burn sure, and you have carb stores. So like, you're not going to go into glycogen depletion during that first hour. Um, and then starting at hour one, what I like to pay attention to with people, and this is, gets really important on races is do people eat so much before the race that then they feel too full and then they delay kind of the starting of the fueling process mm. further along than it needs to be. Sure. And if you ate like 100 calories less would you be able to start taking fuel in 45 minutes in an hour in? And it's always something nice to play with of making sure that, you know, also if you're overly full when you start and at 45 minutes in, you're like, I must take a gel plus liquid nutrition, plus this, plus that. Are you in the woods four hours into your run because your gut's overloaded? You know, too much is too much and mm -hmm. it has to go somewhere. Right. Um, and right. so it's really being mindful of where that balance sits. And sometimes that balance starts with what you've done before. Now, that's different for all people because some people have to eat like three hours before. Some people can eat like while they're driving to the trailhead. So if you've eaten three hours before, that will change everything mm -hmm. from when you start fueling versus if you're like, I'm driving to the trailhead eating 500 right. calories. <laughs> Right. Like, and, and as a runner, this is where I always say, like, 
there's nothing better than starting around with an empty stomach mm-hmm. or the feeling of an empty stomach. Right? Yeah, right. And so that drives a lot of decisions. And I respect so much that that should drive a lot of your decisions versus like, oh, I'm going to be 30 minutes in and I'm going to have to find a bathroom or the woods or whatever. Yeah. Um, honestly, like having the empty stomach feel drives more than nailing this, you know, amazing food in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's um, the runner in me who's like, I want to get my run done. I want to <laughs> like not have 50 stops. I want to yep. like, you know, I yep. don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, could, this all, this is all leading into where I goofed <laughs> a lot during the grand <laughs> slam is why I, I asked some of these questions and it's obviously yep. going to help others too. Um, there's a, you know, a million things that I, I guess we can keep continuing on with this topic yeah. here so we can talk about the, the grand slam. I want to talk about the rest of my day as well. Um, so there's a few things here, but, um, okay. So, um, thinking about when you're ingesting your calories prior to the run definitely affects when you start it. Um, you know, and I was, um, even during the grand slam and in training, as you noted, I really wasn't doing much prior to my runs. I was going into most runs fasted. Um, I went into most of my hundreds fasted. Um, now that being said, um, what is the downside of that? Or is that okay? Or (laughs) what should we do differently? (laughs) Um, I think if you're going in fasted, then you have to be ready to start fueling at minute five into the, you know, drinking your fuel bottle, drinking, you know, taking a gel, putting a chew in your mouth. Like you need to be ready to go at the gun. Like my race nutrition starts now. Um, So that's the only thing that needs to happen is that, and then you also don't have this extra X amount of calories in your system. So there's no wiggle room. If you decide at hour three, I'm going to skip an hour, not take my gel, not eat my food, not eat my planned sandwich, like pick your thing. Well, you don't have that room for that. Mm -hmm. And so from there you go negative and then the depletion just continues from there. Um, That is why eating, you know, really training yourself. So if you, if your weekday runs are 430 in the morning, whatever you're like, I don't eat then long runs, you need to practice or you need to have some race to dress rehearsals where you set the alarm at two in the morning. If you're going to start running at six or whatever, and you eat your pre-race meal, your pre-training run meal, and you dress rehearsal that so that on race day, your body isn't like, whoa, what's all this food that just went in my stomach? Right. You know, this morning, I am so not used to this. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you knew seven months ago when you got into a race. And so there were a bunch of unimportant runs you could have tested this out. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And I always say, like, take advantage of the unimportant runs like don't just save it for like if you're doing training races or whatever as like this is my nutrition test like there's so many check the box runs in between that you won't ruin the run if you overate or if you bonked a little and you were like wow i learned a lot because i didn't fuel enough there are so many runs you could take that and not ruin your training and those are the times to test that and we can we can pause here a moment and say that Meredith also does um, race consultations to to set up your nutrition plan. <laughs> that's probably going to be my next conversation with her is going back over my plan and discussing the, the legitimacy of it or <laughs> the you know <laughs> the fallacy that's it's you know this isn't what I should be doing. Um, so a, a few things on what you just said because um, you were very um, succinct in pointing out you asked me how much fluid was I drinking? And I was like, well, I had a two liter bladder and, um, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I couldn't answer you like how much I was doing. And you and you said, <laughs> well, you need to know, um, <laughs> you need to know from a balance of electrolyte. You need to know from a not get dehydrated. Um, and the best way to do that, in my opinion, bladders are great and are great, especially if you're going out on long training runs where you don't have 
aid or you can't refill. But when you're racing, bottles are the way to go because you can really have a visual of how much you're drinking. Um, and that's even if like it's a three bottle kind of day, you know, where you would hold your, your bladder, you could put two extra bottles in. And again, you would get to an aid station and be like, oh, oops, I haven't touched those. Or, oh my gosh, I'm drinking all of this. How much, how much salt have I taken to match how much fluid I'm consuming? Um, and without that, you can't answer any number of questions as to what's going on. You know, if you don't have an exact calculation of what you're actually taking in. Right. And so um, another piece there was that I would say I was just consuming water with electrolyte tabs. Um, and then you <laughs> responded by saying, well, <laughs> go ahead. You can, you can say what, well, what <laughs> you just need, you need to know how much fluid you're consuming in order to decide how much salt you need. Um, and so it can't just be a, like, you know, throw up in the air. I'm just going to take some electrolytes here and there. Like, that's not how that works. Um, <laughs> and I will say, I know some people are like, don't take electrolyte tabs, you know, or you must use electrolyte drink. Like, there are many ways to get electrolytes in, but it's like our body wants to be in equilibrium. And mm -hmm. so it's knowing how to continue on that equilibrium no matter what um, and really paying attention. Like I have one client who's going to be doing Rio de Lago in two weeks and she knows from experience overnight, she will not drink as much. And so her electrolyte plan overnight during the race will drastically change depending on how much she ends up consuming and honoring that like, it's okay if you consume less, maybe it cooled down. Maybe you're just not thirsty. That's okay. But then you can't just keep pounding the same electrolytes you were pounding during the day. Mm -hmm. Right. Because of the, the sweat loss and the balance yeah. issue. You were talking all about. of it, right. Mm -hmm. It's all yep. about keeping everything in equilibrium and having enough knowledge to kind of, you know, one of the things I love like, I don't want to just give clients a plan. I want them to understand their plan because when you're out there, you need to be able to like on the fly, make decisions. <laughs> and so if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you can change things up while you're out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, or we can plan for here's what might happen. Here's how that's going to play out from a nutrition standpoint. Right. Um, the, other thing we kind of talked about was like previously I had used um, something like tailwind, right? Like you've got um, electrolytes, calories, um, and obviously fluid. Um, are there cons to that? Or is that something that's, you know, that is pretty acceptable? Um, twofold. One, I am a huge believer that it should not just be like four bottles of tailwind. So if you're carrying four bottles, it shouldn't be four bottles of tailwind. There should always be a bottle of plain water. Um, dilute things. If things go sideways, like everything's not tied to your fluid choice. Uh, two, if you are drinking and you know that you will drink that fuel source. So you have your fuel and your electrolytes all tied into one bottle. And so if you're willing to drink it and that's the way you go, and I will say 90% of people are like, this is so easy. I love to do this. Then by all means do it. But if you're somebody who's like that gets super sweet at hour three, well, all of a sudden you're now not drinking. You're now not getting any fuel and you're now not getting any electrolytes because that doesn't taste good to you. Um, and so it's either like, do you need half strength? Or is this just not the fuel source for you? And just, it's okay. You know, there are some people that like some of these products are just too sweet and we need to find an alternative and that's fine. But don't just say I'm running the whole race and there's nothing, you know, a huge believer in Tailwind. I'm not, don't just say you're running the whole race on Tailwind when at hour three, you actually stop drinking the Tailwind. <laughs> um, right. Like right. be very real. Like, you know, most of this really is like having an honest look with yourself of like, what am I doing? 
<laughs> what do I actually like, you know, yeah. and yeah. really what will I do at, you know, X hour or if it gets super hot or if I'm at altitude, like pick your thing, but yeah. there's all these, you know, kind of other things going on. It can't just be like, oh, I'm in the scientific bubble <laughs> jogging on a tre treadmill for a hundred miles, I will consume this amazing stuff. It's like, yeah, that's not how it works in real life. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, a lot of people refer to when Magdalena ran Western and she ran on, on like 90% of Roctane, the, you know, the, yep. the liquid Roctane. Um, and if that, let's just play the, the devil's advocate scenario here. If that was acceptable for somebody to run a hundred miles on liquid calories, is that feasible and is that a, a tolerant or I wouldn't say tolerant. Is that okay for the body to get those calories solely from that source? I ran Western States on all liquids. Did you? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. um, I think I had one bite of pizza and I was pairing a spy belt with a bunch of chews in it. And finally, I think, I think I ran into forest Hill or I, Maybe I was like at Dusty Corners or Michigan Bluff and Paul's like, you know, you don't have to keep carrying those because you're not taking like you can keep carrying them, but you can also stop wearing that. Like you literally we have not changed it out. You haven't touched one. Yep. But yep. I knew all the like that was all bonus. I knew everything I was getting from liquid. And I will say that is the same nutrition I have used in Ultraman. That is the same nutrition I have used on the bike. It is the same plan I will use, um, for Ironman in three weeks. So, um, I am a firm believer, like once you find what works for you, I know there's a million products that have come on the market, but it's like, if it works, like, I don't, yeah. I don't work on, you know, reinventing the wheel. It's <laughs> like, it works. Um, yeah. Paul, Paul likes food but interestingly as the slam this time around progressed a bit he was really leaning heavily mostly on all liquids okay interesting yeah um, and, and that was um kind of a uh, another gap in mine was that you know i was i was not consuming enough going back to what we were saying early is i was not consuming enough early in the race and that was putting me behind which also I believe is part of what caused my stomach distress because my gut yep. was not ready for it. So can you touch on that piece as well? What do you mean? Like the getting oh, behind? Yeah. So, yeah. so like how I set myself up for failure <laughs> to have that stomach <laughs> distress, um, just how that, that process works. Like what, what, you know, what the advantage of kind of starting earlier, what, is, how does that set us up for success later on? Well, I want to emphasize at first, we're not squirrels. We do not store up for winter. So people who are like, I will eat all my calories in the first 20 miles. And then when my stomach goes, I'll have all this built up. It's like, well, that's not how that works. And you have too much mm -hmm. in your system early. So that that's failure on one level. That's how one <laughs> level of failure happens. Yep, yep. Other level is if you get too empty or you've gotten too far behind the curve, you know, and I've said this on Coop's podcast, you have to go into that really slow sip mentality to, or if you vomit and lose everything, instead of like getting into an aid station and panicking and be like, oh my God, I just lost all my fluid. I got to drink it all back. It's like, no, 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 slowly reintroduce because you have to remember if your heart rate's up, let's say it's hot outside or you're working harder than you should and your heart rate's up, the first thing that happens is your gut shuts down. You know, and that's what we want. We want the blood to go to our legs, our arms, our brain. So it's like, we don't want our gut to actually be working. But if at any time when your gut's totally shut down, you all of a sudden put too much in it at once, you know, you run the risk of, well, what is your body going to do? You're going to lose all of that because it doesn't want to go into your body to be digested. Um, and so you have to do a really slow reintegration of, you know, whether it's sipping on Sprite or on Coke, or if you can tolerate your fuel bottle, sip on that, take half a gel at a time. Like don't even commit to a whole gel at once, you know, mm -hmm. or like, you know, put one chew and suck on it in your mouth, you know, or, 
a piece of candy or something like that, that feels good to you. Um, and then slowly build back up until you're like, oh, I think I can get a little bit more. Oh, I can go back to my normal plan, but really slowly over kind of maybe take two hours to get it back. Um, you know, bonking is not a terrible thing, you know, when we think about it. So bonking is just like being glycogen depleted, being calorie depleted. You can get that back, especially, you know, it's like if you bonk during a marathon, you probably don't have enough time to like get it back. Mm -hmm. And that's why the wall is so severe at mile 18 or 20. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. you really don't have that much time to like, get it right. back. Even if you right. took like three gels, it's like, well, you, you don't have that much time left over the course of 50 miles or a hundred miles. You have a lot of time to kind of dig yourself out of that hole. And so it's like, it doesn't have to be a panic to go, you know, to reverse, reverse anything that you've done. The challenge is if you've been like electrolyte depleted or dehydrated, you know, that's a different I always say that that's kind of the showstopper, you mm -hmm. know, being calorie depleted, like you can get that back. If you get, if you get so far behind on the fluid or you get so out of what over salted or under salted, you know, those are kind of the showstoppers, you know, whether it be full body cramping, whether it be that just like nonstop vomiting, all those problems that people have, those are things that like you actually have to like stop and repair this moment. Um, but just, you know, kind of messing up your calories in some way you can, you can kind of repair that easily. Sure. And when we talk about like sweat rate, um, what is the, the best way that people can figure that out? Because as you mentioned, you know, that your, your body's going to require different electrolytes, at different times of the day, depending on the severity of your, your, your sweating. Um, so what, how do people figure that out? So you can just do a sweat rate test, you know, uh, it run in the morning, weigh, you know, weigh yourself, um, okay. do like, and that you can look up online, like right. the basic sweat rate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That will give you some information. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a company called Precision Hydration that yeah. now has like a sweat. Well, I say now has. Um, funny enough, I I had some kidney issues in like 2014 and my urologist was in communication with the head of Precision Hydration and he actually introduced me to that test. <laughs> Who knew circle around that it is like the thing that athletes do now. Um <laughs> It is a test that can, you know, in theory, it gives a sweat rate, okay. sweat loss test. And through, like they have, I guess they now have people like you can check your area to see if you want to get that done. Um, you can go to a lab if you like, depending mm -hmm. on kind of what the budget is of how you want to figure this out. You know, there's sure. places you can go get that done. Um you can also just, you know, play with it a little bit by starting low. And it this is the same way you can you can self play with the cal my ideal calories, you know, or carbs during a run yeah. is, you know, start with a really small amount and then as needed add as you're running to kind of see what really feels good to you. Where do you finish a run where you're not feeling super dehydrated? Where do you finish a run where you're not covered in sweat? You know, kind of looking, taking a look at some of those really basic, you know, physical pieces of the puzzle. Um, you know, same thing with calories. Instead of just like, oh, I need 400 calories an hour, you know, start with 100. And then like, as you add, like, do I feel better? Oh my gosh, do I feel full? You, you can kind of play some of these games on your own, just going on your own runs, you know, right. and use yourself, um, use yourself as, you know, we all know ourselves the best. And so, you know, when you feel good, you know, when you don't, and then you can have some of your own data points in order to make your own changes. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't feel like we all need an expert, you know, and I, I, I said this on the coop cast and this is actually how I have always historically trained, um, 
you know, when I would do long runs in Texas, I would just like go out for runs and Mm -hmm. I would take a credit card with me and I would land at a gas station and I'm like, what do I need? Sometimes that was an icy, which meant I need a lot of cold and sugar. Sometimes that was a Coke. Sometimes that was a candy bar. Sometimes that was just candy. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that was a Gatorade, but it was like, I could answer a lot of my own nutrition questions just by like walking into a store and what am I craving? <laughs> um, right. <laughs> right. In the middle of a run, like, what do I want? What do I need? Yeah. Um, and I could solve a lot of my own nutrition problems that I take to race day with me based on when I'm, you know, what I was doing just out there, out there in it. <laughs> I can't think of one time that when I went in with that question and I really met that need, like I never, left feeling bad. Mm. Um, there was never a time that like when I actually met what I needed, I didn't feel, I, you know, most of the time I was like, Oh wow. I feel amazing. (laughs) You know, there's nothing quite like a really cold mountain dew that (laughs) doesn't solve almost everything. (laughs) Which is fantastic. Um, right. (laughs) and, And you know, there's, um, there's a lot of people that say, you know, uh, when I race, I really just want real food. Um, and so, um, is there a disadvantage to having, let's say processed foods like the, the seven 11 foods or, you know, I mean, we have to find a balance usually in like, uh, I'll let you talk to, uh, what the disadvantage is having a lot of processed foods in your daily life is versus having processed foods within your, um, we'll say your athletic life. <laughs> Can you uh, define the, the difference? I want to give Devin Yanko credit for this because this actually, she <laughs> just posted this yesterday. Okay. We have to remember that like most food is processed. <laughs> <laughs> like if we really talk it, cause I guess somebody had posted and she didn't reference who that person was said that processed food is basically poison. Um, and that's great. There there's a place for everything, right? Um, all of it, uh, mm-hmm. in our daily life, in our race nutrition life. Um, so yes, most fuel is processed. Um, in some shape, form, fashion. Mm -hmm. Now, if you say I want real food in my mind, I'm saying, I'm hearing you say, I want a piece of pizza. I'd like a sandwich or a wrap (laughs) or something like that of which you can work in, but you also have to be realistic. Like when in the race, are you going to have that? Um, how much are you going, is that really going to count as your calories? Or when you come into an aid station, are you going to eat two bites of that? And so then do we just consider that bonus to the real fuel you're taking in? Um, There are some people who are like, I want to eat the sandwiches and the stuff like that, the whole race. And I'm like, if you stay aerobic and you're not anaerobic, by all means, eat all the real food you want. Um, But I think there's a place for all of it, depending on who the person is, what, how hard they're running. If you're running hard and I don't care if you're it and my client who's about to do Rio de Lago, she is like my most beautiful example because she first asked me when she came to work with me, she said, do you only work with elite athletes? And I said, absolutely not. And then what I pointed out to her is when we looked at her heart rate data, which I was looking at it solely for a fueling standpoint. She runs at a very high heart rate. She has been to the cardiologist. There's nothing wrong with her. She just runs. And in order for her heart rate to be low enough, she would need to walk. Well, she's already fighting the 30-hour cutoff. Mm. And so we treat her nutrition. And she was somebody who was like eating all the real and then vomiting and having all the. And what I said to her is, you're working as hard as the person who's trying to win. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And so your nutrition plan has to be all easy. Don't make your gut work at all because your heart, you're working hard the entire race. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) you have to honor that. So you can't just say, Oh, I'm a back of the packer. I can eat, you know, I I'll eat more sandwiches or I'll do this. It's like, you might be working as hard as the person who's winning the race. It just plays out differently for each of you. 
But the nutrition plan might end up looking exactly the same. I will say that she is going to be on probably 95% liquids for the 30 hours she is out there. And it has given her more confidence to be able to run like that. She has felt better than she has ever felt fueling in that way. And in a way that if you had asked her six months ago, she thought that that was only the way the the elites fueled hmm. that like none of that product was, you know, that well, was just not a way for fueling for somebody who's slow. And it's fascinating to me. And so I think that I don't care where you're running in the field, but it's like, potentially if you're working harder, you know, a sandwich is not so much for you. Um, you know, it's just asking a lot of your body to digest and work through and process a sandwich, like mid race, (laughs) you know, a couple of nibbles of a sandwich. Fine. But you know what I'm saying? Um, and then the, and the, and then in the diet, the, you know, I think no foods are off limits, um, on the daily diet. You know, we were just celebrating your birthday cake all week. (laughs) Um, I think there's a place, you know, there's a time and place within our goals, um, within maximizing our recovery for what we're eating, you know, but I think that the restrictive behavior and the, you know, saying no to different foods, like I just, I can't get on board with it. Um, yeah. And something I've, I've heard, um, that's come across a number of times in various, uh, sources has been that, um, as we age as athletes, um, if we have been in our sport for an extended period of time, you know, like uh, my career, I started out, um, you know, going up through high school, college, um, and then post college, post collegiately, I was marathoning and I was, I subsisted off of carbohydrates, right? Like, you know, I was taking gels, et cetera, um, over, you know, the extended period of time from when I was in my early twenties until now in my mid forties, um, it, it has been said that we develop an adversity or a, an intolerance to, to carbohydrates as we age. Have you heard this or is there any truth to that? Um, I just think the longer you've been running, the more efficient our bodies are. And so where, you know, your 20 year old body could eat a mound of pasta (laughs) and take, you know, you probably weren't taking gels then, but like eat all the candy, like pick your thing. Sure. As you're efficient, as we've aged and your body, your body is very used to you being a runner. So it's highly efficient. It's like, in fact, its expectation is that like, you better go for a run. If (laughs) you're going to sit on the couch, like metabolically, this is a little bit problematic. You might just gain weight from just the act of recovering. (laughs) Um, And we have to behave in a way that like, not that you have an adversity to carbohydrates, but just like, is my body, maybe, maybe I'm just putting the positive spot spin on it. Like you're so efficient that, (laughs) you know, we're utilizing your body is used to the movement. And so an excess of carbs is just not burned the same way. Um, and I think some of that conversation has come into, there's been an interesting conversation. I posted it to our group about, the um, women in menopause that Dr. Stacy Sims had posted that okay. actually women are um, deficient in their foods, you know, so they're already calorie deficient. And so they're already carb deficient. And so sometimes when we're tapering just by like eating enough, we don't have to have an excess of carbs, but just like making sure that our body's getting enough actually restores our glycogen that's been depleted that Mm. becomes that like just making sure calorically we're getting enough every day actually rights all the wrongs um you know and i can't state enough about the importance of getting in enough every day um you know across the board men and women just like 
you if you want to be your best, then you need to make sure you're eating enough. Um, and that's a balanced eating enough, you know, enough protein, enough vegetables, enough carbohydrates. Um, it's amazing that when we eat balanced, maybe that ends up looking a little lower on the carbohydrate side but it's everything our body needs. Um, and I think it's, you know, anybody who says, oh, I eat all carbs, you know, or carbs are amazing or whatever, I would probably argue with them, there's probably an imbalance in what you're eating. Right. And if you were to talk to me and I were to lower your carbs a little bit, it would be because I'm upping the fat, I'm upping the protein that you're eating it's not because I'm lowering your calorie intake. I'm just making your balance better. Yeah. So, and the macros, that's always a big question. And that's yep. always something I refer, you know, my runners to dietitian and nutritionists yep. to talk and have that conversation because everybody's different. You know, that's, I mean, there's stuff online, but I, I'd rather them talk it through and kind of discuss their activity um, yep. so that their, their macros make sense. Um, and I start anybody, if you don't, feel like you're recovering well, you don't feel like something feels off, start logging your fit, you know, use the free MyFitnessPal, mm. you know, start there and like, take a look, like it can be glaringly obvious if you're only getting in 10 grams of carb, uh, 10 grams of fat a day. It's like, wow, I'm starving, but oh, it's because I'm not satiated because I'm not getting enough fat in, right? Mm. Or if you're working out every day, but your proteins at like, you know, especially for like vegetarians and vegans, if your protein's sitting at like 40 grams a day, well, that's not, that's why you're not recovering, you know? And mm -hmm. if you're kind of hesitant to pay somebody to give you that, well, just take an honest look at yourself. And I'd say 90% of the logs I see from clients, there are days missing from their logs. I don't need to see every day, but like you mm -hmm. also need to have a visual of the days you're eating out. Like I have one client, she's like, I wrote everything down. And I was like, so why is every Saturday and Sunday missing? Um, <laughs> I need the pic. She's like, I'm giving a truthful picture. I was like, yes, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I just can't help you. Like it, it, yeah. it's such a whole, it's like you need to have, and it needs to just be a visual. And it's like, I am a judgment free zone. You should be your own judgment free zone. When you're looking, you should solely be looking to gather data of, am I getting the balance I need? You know, right. not a like shame on me for eating 10 tortillas. Like I have one client I love her. She, it, but, and she is somebody who will binge and like, she will put like, I ate 10 tortillas and it's like, I actually don't care, but it helped me by seeing that. I was like, okay, yeah. next week, let's not buy tortillas. Like they probably should leave the house for a little bit until you feel like you have a handle on this, or I want them in the freezer and you just pull out the one tortilla you're going to eat, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah how do I know that pattern or how can you really have a, a visual on that pattern if you're not looking at it? Right. Yeah. No, the log certainly helps. Um, it, it, it reminds me that I'm going to be entering it in there and do I really want to enter <laughs> that item, <laughs> you know, not just because totally. you'll see it, but because you know that I'm, you know, I'm holding myself accountable. In, in 100%. Some and yeah. some people can really change their own behavior based on like, just getting in the routine of logging, they can actually make their own change. Like they don't need mm -hmm. me so much. They can really hold themselves there, you know, with their goals or yeah. whatever that looks like. Yeah. And you had mentioned our group. Um, do you want to touch on that real quick? Yeah. So I do, um, I try to do at least twice a year. I was doing them really frequently and I do them less because um, I stopped getting creative after a while. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I do groups for people who don't necessarily want to see somebody individually or just want to have like the group support from a nutrition perspective. Yeah. Um, I've evolved my groups over the years, but typically what I do is I give one quote unquote live group a week where I give a bunch of information and recipes and then 
answer questions or um, give more information throughout the week. And we touch on typically what I like to do is I like to touch on topics that are relevant to the members of the group um, uh, or I kind of get a pulse from like who's all participating because a lot of the times it's either people who have been group members forever or people who are new. And I like to really make sure that I'm meeting their needs along the way. Um, we do some fun things like this group will run all the way through the holidays. So we'll do really fun, like holiday preparations, like what to do with all your leftovers, um, <laughs> how not to just eat cookies from the end of November through December. <laughs> and, you know, but also enjoy, <laughs> but also enjoy like all the things that make all of that time great. Like all the foods that you want to be eating, like, are there healthier ways you can enjoy all of that? Um, and then, you know, we talk about, getting enough protein for vegetarians um, and making sure that everybody kind of gets what they need out of, you know, the foods they're eating. Um, and then I like to find like really easy recipes um, because that's such an important part of my life. And eat, eat. I want food that tastes good. I want food that brings me joy. I want food that I want to put on the table, you know, that has always been the most important for me. And so I want recipes that are easy and cut all the ingredients come from your normal grocery store and you can prepare and you can have leftovers and then you can make them into 10 different things um, because that's how we eat. And that's how, you know, I know that people can really make eating healthy work in busy schedules. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> Meredith does an amazing job and she's really helping me. Um, that's why I wanted to have her on. We didn't even get to yeah. the part like my diet, but I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time as well. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps a part two at some point, but it, I mean, Meredith, it's, it's, I just, I'm so thankful to have you not only as a friend, yeah. but as a, a mentor through this journey. Um, it's wonderful to have yeah. you as a, a part of my team. Cause we talked about that even before we started, you know, having, you know, someone such as yourself on your, your team, um, Oh, gosh, I, I thank you for all of that. And um, yeah. you um, you have a great website. Can you um, tell everybody what that is? And I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, eatingandlivinghealthy.com. Um, the benefit of starting this company before, you know, 20 years ago was lots of websites were available. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my goodness. Right. And like good I got to right. I got to take eating and living healthy. Like how, you know, now that would not exist. <laughs> right. Right. And best of luck in your your upcoming Iron Man. You said three weeks. Yeah. Um November 18th. Yeah. So Cosmo. So yeah. Yeah. I'm That's I know. Awesome. I not exactly heat training over here. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Meredith is just outside of Leadville. And she, uh, she had the 19 degree dog walk this morning. So, yeah. Um, but oh. I did ride my bike inside, so I am riding right. my bike with the heater on. So we are, <laughs> we're kind good. of covering all of it. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm so no. glad I will say side note. I'm so glad you're actually in the group so you can <laughs> thank you. see, see what the group is like. Um, yeah. I really, I have loved my group forever. Um, I am going to open it up. Like if people just want to join for the holidays, um, they're more than welcome to kind of join in late coming the beginning of November. Um, and Sweet. I'll kind of make the pricing such that it's, um, good for everybody, but it's a nice way to kind of get some nutrition support without individual help. And we should say it's a Facebook group as well. Yes. Um. <laughs> oh, that's right. But yes, with people who are not, who are anti-Facebook. Yes. If you're not on Facebook, that is not for you. <laughs> oh, Meredith, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for, Thank you. for your time and your, sharing your knowledge here. It's just incredible. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Meredith for all she does, um, all she's helped me and um, everybody else that she helps uh, for coming on the podcast and being willing to to talk about all this. She's just a, a great resource, um, great person to have on your team. You know, we talked about um, you know, building your team, uh, be it coach, physical therapist, uh, running partners, um, a nutritionist, sports psychologist, you know, just build your team. Make sure you have the people around you that you need to help you succeed. Uh, Meredith is great. And again, her contact is in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to her. Um, 
And if you have any questions for me, obviously don't hesitate to reach out as well. I'm happy to answer any questions um, on training specifically. <laughs> um, not so much on nutrition. But um, that said, um, I probably will have a few spots opening up here this fall. Um, you know, some fall races are ending and, um, you know, people are kind of just taking a break. Uh, so if you're interested in coming on board for 2024 and your goals, please reach out. Um, love to have that conversation. Um, I have signed up for the Hellbender 100. Um, uh, the stars have aligned. <laughs> so, um, I'll be sharing a lot of my journey, um, where I'm at, what I'm doing, um, as I usually do, but, um, mostly at the end of the episodes. So you can listen to the guest. And then if you want to hear about what I'm doing and how I'm doing things, then you can listen on to the, uh, the end of the episode. Um, so stay tuned after each episode for a training update. And I just kind of started back. So um, really been focusing <clears throat> on making sure that I am you know, running easy enough. Um, I have a Polar H10 heart rate strap. And I've been using that on a majority of my runs, I would say, you know, a good, I would say at least 80 to 85% of my runs have been with the, uh, the heart rate strap on just to kind of see where my heart rate is and what I'm doing. Um, I am very much focused right now on zone two and staying zone two. Um, as I record this on Wednesday, October, uh, what are we on the 25th? <laughs> um, I have, um, really just, um, been trying to keep it, uh, you know, in that zone two as much as possible, um, and, uh, not get too much into zone three just yet. Uh, so many benefits to, to running zone two in your base, uh, really does, um, help build the, the cardiovascular and aerobic system. Um, so, you know, so many things, so many benefits. So really working on that and getting, you know, being patient and getting my pace back down, getting, um, my fitness back also incorporated some, uh, some strength training. So working on strength training and mobility, I've got a, uh, Jesse Fuller routine that I do three times a week. So just staying in tune with my body and making sure that I'm working on mobility and, and strength at the same time. Um, I just started today reincorporating drills. So I'm doing four form drills. Um, I can, I can kind of post that in the, uh, the show notes, um, form drills. If you haven't had experience with them, it's good to kind of get somebody that has, that can kind of give you an idea of what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Make sure you're doing them right. Because just like with running, if you're doing form drills wrong, you're not helping yourself and potentially could lead to injury. So, um, you know, again, check in with somebody that can kind of help you if you've never done form drills before and you're interested in doing them. Um, plenty of benefits, uh, you know, plenty of neuromuscular responses that we can get with, with doing form drills. So, um, you know, like I said, I'll post the link that, of the form drills that I was doing today. Also been doing my active warm ups. So prior to my run, um, been walking a lot. Uh, so I usually walk my dog and then get home. I grab whatever I need for my active warm up. And usually that's just requires like a TheraBand, but, um, I, I've, I have a number of different active warmups that I've been engaging in. So, um, walk the dog active warm up, and then, um, I get into my run, um, you know, um, form drills today. They were after my active warm up. I did my form drills, um, and then got into my run, um, you know, all good ways of warming up and getting sure that, uh, that the body's ready to run. Um, you know, this, the zone two work, it's tough. It takes patience, uh, cause you know, it's slow. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. Um, but like I said, it, it does benefit you. Um, paces will get faster. The heart does make the adaptations. Um, you know, challenging myself with the Hills today was fun. Uh, I definitely had to slow down. Um, uh, but I didn't have to slow down too much, you know, it's, and that's okay. It is what it is right now. I want to make sure that I have the, the base that I need for the training that I want to do to, for Hellbender. I've got some big goals for Hellbender and, um, you know, definitely want to finish and have a strong run. Um, so, you know, I've, I've really, really been thinking on this, so I'm pretty excited. Um, I've got a good schedule. Um, in January, I'll be running the South mountains half marathon in February, the cabin fever 50 K in West Virginia, uh, in March, the heartbreaker 50 miler, which is right on the hellbender course. And of course, hellbender in May. So got a pretty cool lineup. I'm pretty excited about all of it. Um, but, uh, but gotta start at the beginning, gotta pay my dues. So, um, 
you know, again, if you have questions about training, you know, why I'm doing this, why am I in zone two? <laughs> um, you know, I feel free to ask. I'm happy to talk about that. And I can expand more upon it in another episode, perhaps. But, um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. All is good. Um, cross country has ended. I'm very proud of the kids. Uh, the girls team finished sixth at the state meet out of 34 teams and the boys team finished seventh out of, uh, I think 36 teams. So, um, fantastic job to both teams. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, we didn't have our, our normal, um, I think we were missing one of our top five on the girls side and two of our top five on the boys side. So, uh, super proud of these kids and tons of PRs. So it was a great way to end the season. So cross country's done, but as I record this, uh, I have a week until, uh, winter track starts. So already planning for that and getting ready for that. Um, I'm working on a nutrition, um, as you'll hear, um, in the, well, I don't think we talked about it in the podcast. Actually, it may have been you know, before we started recording, but, um, I am working on a nutrition, uh, certification. It will not make me a nutritionist nor a dietitian, nor will it allow me to, um, really, you know, kind of, um, give advice, um, on nutrition. It just gives me a better background as to why things happen. I can understand things better for my athletes and that's why I'm taking it. Um, so, um, just trying to educate myself a little bit more. Uh, you know, I think that's the best thing we can do in life is educate ourselves. Uh, so, uh, especially if it does help us help others. So that's, that's where I'm at. Um, working on that and um it's um it's it's a lot it's a lot of details um some friends have done it uh i have some friends that are currently going through it and it, it's a lot it's you know my the next module that i have to watch is 55 minutes long so it's a 55 minute video and then you've got to take a quiz there's 23 different modules so you have 23 different quizzes and a final exam so you have to maintain an 80% average on your quizzes. Um, if you don't get an 80% on a quiz, you have to retake it. So you have opportunities to retake your quizzes. But, um, you know, I have to make sure I get this final exam done. <laughs> so um, anyhow, uh, it's uh, one more thing, <laughs> but we're getting there. Uh, other than that, I'll be volunteering at shut-in. Um, I think I'm at uh, Stony Ridge. I think I'm at Stony Ridge uh, aid station for a shut-in. So those of you guys running shut-in, you can look for me out there. Um, and then I will be um, uh, volunteering at the Looking Glass 100K. I'll be at mile 42. So um, excited for that as well. Uh, so lots of stuff coming up. Pretty excited um, to get out there. Uh, and I hope you're doing well. Hope your training goes well. Uh, again, any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about or hear about, feel free to reach out. Um, please, it always helps if you could um, leave a, a review rating. That really does help others find it um, and, and see this podcast or share it if you find it helpful. You know, you know somebody that could benefit from the podcast, please share it. Um, and thanks to my Patreon supporters. They're tremendous. They're a tremendous help and keep me keeping this going. <laughs> I really do enjoy that. So thank you to those guys. Um, next week, um, we've got Faith Raymond on, Coach Faith Raymond. She will be talking about um, menopause and uh, the menstrual cycle. So um, a really good episode, um, not only for women, but for any coaches out there. Uh, this is a really good topic. Uh, I've listened actually to uh, another podcast, which um, I'll include in the show notes next week. Um, that, you know, there's another good episode that that just came out um, on the menstrual cycle. Um, Faith just did another podcast with um, recent guest Will Fronts, and um, I'll, I'll link that one in, in next week's show notes as well. So, thank you all for listening. Thanks for being a part of the Running Is Life podcast, and until next time, keep moving forward.